Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. Episode 36 of Inside Illini Football. I'm Matt Daniels, the sports editor at the News Gazette. Scott Ritchie, across from me at the table here at podcast headquarters on a sunny Wednesday afternoon. Weather's nice. Should be nice on Saturday in Champaign Memorial Stadium. First Saturday after Saturday game that's not at night in Champaign since the opener. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. 11 a.m. Yeah. kick against Charlotte this Saturday. They played... Wait, did they play Nebraska on a Saturday? Yeah, they played Nebraska on a Saturday okay. at noon. Then the following week was Texas San Antonio at night on okay. Saturday. And then they were on the road to Virginia. Then Friday night game against Maryland. Then last Saturday they were in Purdue. So this is the first true kind of feel for college football since the week zero. So maybe they're going to win this Saturday, Scott. That's all they need to do. They need to play during the day on a Saturday. At home in Champagne, and they'll be fine. <laughs> um, a lot of caveats there. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, Illinois is favored for Saturday's game against Charlotte. You know, double-digit favorite, in fact, which... Surprise. It surprised me, because I, I, I wrote after they lost at Purdue that, you know, Illinois would be maybe less than a touchdown favorite, just because, you know, offense has been pretty bad for two straight games. But, you know, the lines moved a little bit. Started at ten, dropped to nine and a half. Now you know, bump back up to eleven. Last maybe, time I checked, maybe they know something we don't know that Art Sikowski is going to play a lot more than Brandon Peters. You know, would not be surprised. You know, we got a chance to talk with Tony Peterson and Brett Bielma on Monday, per usual. Mm-hmm. And Tony Peterson said that you know, they were sticking with Brandon Peters at quarterback. Brett Bielma never said those exact words. In fact, you know, he's asked, you know, you know since he you know said at Purdue that he never considered making a change during the game. Which is a contrast to what he said after the Maryland game where he thought about putting Tukowski in yeah. late um, in that game. So after not considering a change at Purdue where at halftime I might have because the offense was Josh McCray and that's where that sentence ends. Um, you know, Brett Bielma was asked you know, what the quarterback situation would be this week and you know if you know, Art Sikowski might be in the mix, and he kind of talked around the question, didn't really answer it directly. So they have a way of doing that. It's yeah, it's well, written I mean, into the, their contract. The one thing he said was like, football. if there was something so, something happening at the Smith Center, like inside the Smith Center, he'd never tell us. Um, and you know, he mentioned that you know when Seth Coleman replaced Isaiah Gay, you know, in the starting lineup at outside linebacker. He didn't tell us, and he made that move. Um, a couple other things, like Deuce Span turned up as a wide receiver that no one knew you know, that had happened. So uh, I would not be surprised if maybe there is a quarterback change. But you know, Tony Peterson seems you know, committed to Brandon Peters. They like his ability to stretch the field in the vertical passing game. You have to complete those passes 
for that to make any sort of difference, which he did not do against Purdue. But the offense, outside of, again, really Josh McCray, the last two games, and you know some Chase Brown against Maryland, of course, it's just been it's been poor, and that's been on Brandon Peters. Well, I think at some point this season, if uh, the losses continue to to add up for the Illini, and uh, the twenty twenty one season is just a loss where you can just write it off, no no bowl game, nothing like that. Uh, I think you're going to see more Art Sikowski at some point than Brandon Peters, just for the sake of moving ahead and, and looking towards the the 2022 season uh Sikowski's what got three seasons of eligibility so he's got this I, season and then two more yeah I think after that that's even though he's this is his fourth season of college football so I mean I try not <laughs> to worry about what year someone is in school or how many years of eligibility they have because it's uh, yeah like for instance as a Williams is a redshirt freshman but he's in his third season playing college football anyway um, I think at some point you're going to have to, unless Peters just has a resurgent October 2021 like he did in October 2019, which he has shown is possible, um, I think you're going to see more Art Sikowski. Now, I don't know if you're going to see him start against Charlotte, but I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Peters struggles early against Charlotte and the offense really isn't moving the ball at all to, to see some Art Sikowski. Maybe, they, maybe they're game planning this week to maybe alternate series between the two or alternate plays. We've seen that done in, in college football to yeah. varying degrees of success. Mostly not much. Like True. Is, uh, the old adage is if you got if you play two quarterbacks, you don't have any, essentially. Kind of like the Bears. <laughs> or three. <laughs> For Nick Foles this yeah, Sunday. Exactly. Uh, but it, this is not just a last two games thing for Brandon Peters. You know, he played maybe his best game as an Illini, just kind of sort of overall, last year at Nebraska. Big win on the road for Illinois. And after that, he really struggled to end the strange 2020 season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he didn't play much, against again, against Nebraska in the season opener, but in 13 snaps, he took two sacks, and both of those were his fault, where he just held on to the ball too long. And then he was hurt. You know, with his, when he got hit the second time, missed two games, and then these last two games he's completed. He hasn't completed more than like thirty eight percent of his passes. Like, it's just that's not. I mean, not anywhere near good enough. I mean, you know, college quarterbacks, you want them to complete sixty, sixty five percent, maybe even, and like that's not outside the realm of possibility. Like the. It happens in other places. Yeah, like college football. Frequently. Like that, that's football just in general now. It's like mm-hmm. you throw the ball more and just complete some, any. Well, and then we had Jay Lehman on uh, Monday night at, at the Esquire for our, our weekly radio show, and, and he was pretty adamant, not that the former Illinois All-American linebacker isn't one to have opinions and express them enthusiastically like he did on, on Monday night, but he brought up, he, he thinks Archikowski should get the start. Uh, he feels that, and it's been proven on the field too, that Sikowski's been able to move the Illini more than, than Brandon Peters has. They've, right now they they both have about the same, I'd say, sample size so far this season. Uh, Sikowski's started two games. Peters started three but didn't f- hardly played uh, against Nebraska, and Sikowski played the majority of that game. 
And another point, too, that, you know, I, I think is very, very valid. That being said, though, the transfer market in college football is just every year happens. I mean, you see transfer quarterbacks thrive at other places, namely Oklahoma. Um, but Illinois hasn't really recruited a guy, a multiple-year starter at quarterback since Nathan Shieldhouse. Um, that was more Who's than now well into his career as a college football coach, as an assistant at, at Iowa State. Uh, could have been at Illinois. Anyway, um, yeah, it's it's just interesting. And, and you look at the top three quarterbacks on the Illinois roster this season, and and they're all transfers. And, and Brandon Peters, Art Sikowski, and Ryan Johnson of, at Northern Michigan. Um, you know, there's a reason why Brandon Peters wasn't playing at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. There's a reason. Why Art Sikowski wasn't playing consistently at Rutgers under Greg Schiano first with, with Chris Ash after his 2018 season that uh, I'm sure he doesn't look back on with fond memories as a true freshman. That doesn't mean instantly when they arrive in Champaign that they're just going to be these all, all Big Ten worthy quarterbacks. They've shown flashes. I mean, Illinois doesn't make it to a bowl game in 2019 without Brandon Peters' epic fourth quarter at Michigan State. Or, or maybe... Without Josh and Matter Bebe, who in hindsight maybe cleaned up a lot of stuff for Brandon Peters just by his ability to go up and get one. Very as true. They say. Very true. And and that's been an ongoing issue too for Illinois this season offensively is their receivers can't seem to create separation. And as other teams watch film of Illinois, they're going to realize, oh, we can just sit in man coverage all day, and they're not going to beat us downfield or beat us on a quick post route or a slant or anything like that. So the onus is on Tony Peterson to to really kind of. I don't know. I don't know if muck it up's the right word, but it's almost like to use a basketball analogy, it's kind of like, all right, you're not going to try to outscore this team, so almost take the air out of the ball and just kind of run your offense, run a very deliberate offense. And we saw that with Illinois at, at Purdue. It was very yeah. I mean Josh McCray got 24 carries, which exactly. is for a single back. Mhm. Yeah, different these days. I mean, it's you're running back by committee a lot of places and it has been at Illinois until really the Purdue game. And and I think Brett Bielema wants a balanced offensive approach. We all know his history with standout running backs. And, uh, you know, I wrote about this before the season started, I believe, in Bielema's 13-year uh, college career. He's had, uh, I think, 14 different 1,000-yard rushers. Not 14 different players, but they've had 14 players have – I don't know how to phrase this. They've had a thou- 14 times they've had a running back hit 1,000 yards in Bielema's career. It's been multiple running backs. In Illinois' history, they've that's only happened 13 times. <laughs> so Bielema wants to run the ball, and it seems that Illinois found that lead running back in Josh McRae, who has really asserted himself. But now it comes to the fact, too, that, okay, he was able to do this against Purdue, I guarantee you Charlotte and Wisconsin and Penn State are going to know who number zero is on the Illinois roster and and game plan according to him and basically kind of dare Illinois to beat them through the air. And that's, that's, that doesn't really, you know, lend itself to a lot of an optimistic outlook considering the Illinois pass game has has really struggled this season. Yeah. I mean, teams are are already doing that because, you know, Purdue loaded the box against Illinois and, you know, Josh McCray just, at six one, two hundred and forty pounds, has a way of, you know, getting those extra few yards that you know most running backs wouldn't when they face you know, that many defensive players. But 
Um, I won't say that Purdue's run defense is outstanding, but you mentioned some of the teams coming up. Um, Wisconsin, Iowa, Penn State all have really good defenses. Mm -hmm. Um, Like something has to change. And I mean, I don't know that Art Sikowski is going to, would be that change because he's not a vertical passing threat. I mean, you know, he, he won the, he managed the game well against Nebraska with a lot of checkdowns. He did hit new span on that, that deep ball, uh, late in in that game. And and he had some moments uh, against Texas San Antonio, but those were more forced out of necessity. And in Virginia, I mean, that was just kind of a wash because I mean, Illinois cut it to a touchdown in the third quarter, but they were never really in that game. Yeah, it's just it's kind of crazy to think about you know just how much the perception of this team has changed. Where you know against UTSA and Virginia, it's like man, this defense is struggling. <laughs> and you know Ryan Walters has made some personnel changes. He's made some schematic changes. They're playing less man coverage and more zone because he saw that just man coverage they were getting beat. Um, and the defense has been pretty good. You know, held Maryland to 20 points, and that's a, a feat for an offense that's been you know, more explosive than that. Held Purdue to yeah. 13 points. And, like, when that happens, like, you have to feel pretty good about your chances to win, but the offense has just been, like, a net zero. Offense has been bad the last two games, and we've written a lot about it in, in the pages of the News Gazette, and we've talked about it on the airwaves, and I'll bring it up here on, on this podcast as well. Brett Bielema's decision-making in the fourth quarter has lent itself to a lot of second-guessing. Now, obviously, if it turned out and Illinois wins against Maryland and Purdue, then that's not talked about as much, but such is the life for a college football coach. What do you think, Scott, uh, when you look back to the, the decisions to punt the ball on fourth and one or fourth and two situations when Illinois is in the other team's side of the 50 and Blake Hayes is standing firmly on the other half of the 50 when you've got a kicker like Jameson Court who holds the Illinois program record for most field goals made at 50 yards or more with six and you're not sending him out there at all. So the decision against Maryland to punt I get it. Mm -hmm. I probably would have done the same thing because they're up a touchdown the defense had to that point held Maryland um, at least off the scoreboard and I don't think the expectation was that even if Maryland scored that the the offense would the Illinois offense would crater as terribly as it did the worst possession I've ever seen um, now against Purdue up three the way Josh McCray had run the ball the fact that James McCourt's pretty good kicker mm-hmm and the fact that the offense said no team had scored a touchdown up to that point. Yeah. I, at minimum, would have sent McCourt out there to kick the field goal. Okay. And even if he misses and it's the you end up in sort of the same scenario, you know, Purdue got the, the yards that they would have lost because of the Blake Hayes punt back in like two mm-hmm. plays, yeah. which Maryland also did after the fourth and one punt. Um but just like when you see Blake Hayes standing on the the Purdue, I think he's like at the forty seven yard line. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What are you doing?" Well, and he did his job. Yeah, he, I mean, he like, I, I expected that to mm-hmm. happen because yeah. he's one of the better punters in the country. Mm-hmm. But 
I just, at some point you have to take a chance. Well, that's the thing too. I think, and that's what I, I think a lot of the, um, I wouldn't say anger, maybe disappointment. I'm sure there's some outrage out there among Illinois fans, but it's just it, in the grand. It's Illinois. Like they were one in three going into the Purdue game. They've had they haven't had a winning regular season since 2007. They haven't had a winning season since 2011. Try to win the game. Like take it out of you know. Again, the defense played really well on Saturday and. Even when Purdue, it's just almost had that feel as soon as they got the ball back. Okay, Purdue's going to go down and just pick apart this defense and go down and score a touchdown. And that's and what ended up happening. It's just like try to be aggressive and, and take control of the game. And, you know, even if it backfires on you, at least you, you know, it's not like if they would have went for it and missed it or didn't get the uh, first down. I mean, Purdue's what, like the 34, their own 34-yard line? You know, they hadn't really moved the ball all day. The Illinois defense had intercepted two of Aiden O'Connell's passes in the second half alone up to that point. I mean, and the thing about punting on fourth and two with a three-point lead is, you know, Purdue, I mean, like you say, it kind of felt like, you know, they were just going to march and score because we had seen that the, the week prior. By doing so and by Purdue scoring that touchdown, Bielma handcuffed his team where they had to score a touchdown mm-hmm. to win the game. Yeah. Like they had getting into field goal range, was which not is what be they enough. did. <laughs> they did. I mean, Brandon Peters last three throws were atrocious. They were really bad, but he had done what he needed to do to get Illinois down to Purdue's 19 yard line where that's an makeable field goal for, for James McCourt. If shot for James exactly. McCourt. If the score was, you know, 13 to 12 instead of 13 to nine. Yeah. So it's just, you left one option on the table, and it was an option that um, the team hadn't come through on the entire game. So it, which then leads maybe me at this point, though, you know, Brett Bielman, he's going to make that decision a hundred times over, as he said, and that's a quote. So, I'm, okay, it's basically if you're an Illinois, you're not wanting to see a fourth and short situation come up in the fourth quarter on on Saturday against Charlotte in a close game, because you'll see Blake Hayes on the field. Okay. All right, which leads to another point I think is worth discussing too. And again, I go back to our conversation with Jay Lehman on Monday night. He, I mean, he made a valid point. It was true. I mean, Illinois has been competitive these last two games. They could, you could. It's not without. It's not crazy to sit here and say, man, Illinois could be three and three, or no, they could be three and two. That's that's crazy. They could be three and two with wins against Maryland and Purdue. They could be three and zero oh in the Big Ten. <laughs> it's kind of jarring to think about how the last two games have unfolded, but that's not that is that was within the realm of possibility. You were up a touchdown late against Maryland. You were up by three midway through the fourth quarter against Purdue on the road. They had chances to win the game and they did not take advantage of them. So what I'm getting to is, and I guess this is a better question for an Illinois fan, but Illinois lost a ton of football games in the last decade. That's well documented. Would you rather be in a close competitive game throughout that holds your attention all the way, even if Saturday's game against Purdue kind of set the notion of a prolific offense back for both teams because it was just kind of bad football at times? 
or would you rather just them lose and you know you know it's forty eight to fourteen? I mean, I think, and you know, I don't have like a, a real opinion on this, but I would imagine fans would like want the chance that their team could win, mm-hmm. um, rather than just it's over by halftime, getting torched yeah. week in and week out. Um, and that's, I mean, I mean, the thing about this Illinois team is like. Something that Brett Bielma kind of talked about a lot Monday in his opening filibuster to start his press conference. <laughs> uh, That's just, a veteran move right there. Yeah. The more the coach talks, the fewer <laughs> questions we can ask. And he had lots to say for every question. Um, gave some interesting, he told some mm-hmm. anecdotes and and whatnot. But just for a team with as many seniors, super seniors, et cetera, yeah, Brett Bielma's back to the point where I mean, this team still has to figure out how to win games. Yeah. And it's not ideal, but you know, that's where they stand heading into Saturday's game against Charlotte is can they, in potentially another close game, because every game but the Virginia game has been close, and they've won one and lost the other three close ones. Like, Can they figure it out? All right, tell me about Charlotte, Scott. I know their nickname's the 49ers. They're, 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 they're from North Carolina. They've only been playing football for about a decade or so, if that. Yeah, just shy of a decade at the FBS level. They've met Illinois in the NCAA tournament a few times, I think, once or twice, in basketball. First not time re- ever. In, not recently. Yeah, not recently. First time ever in football, though. Uh, Illinois is paying Charlotte $1.2 million to come here. And they already forked over one point one million to lose to UTSA, so you know, cross your fingers. <laughs> but you know, Charlotte, you know, coached by Will Healy, who's one of sort of the up and coming younger coaches in the country. If Charlotte has a successful season this year, I'm sure you'll find his name on a lot of uh, coaching lists. This yeah, season. whoever gets fired in the ACC or the SEC. Fair enough. Um, and with the ACC, that might be like most of the league. Yeah, looking yeah. at you, Mike Norvell. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, Charlotte, uh, the one thing that they do really well um, is maybe a bit concerning for Illinois is you know, their quarterback, Chris Reynolds. Um, he's completing 60% of his passes. Okay, so there's, you know, be- there's Scott Ritchie's benchmark. But in four games, he has almost 1,000 yards, okay. 924, nine touchdowns, just two interceptions. Uh, he slings it. And they've already won against the Power 5 team this season. Yeah, they beat Duke in their opener. And Chris Reynolds threw for more than 300 yards. And, I mean, so that's a problem. But like, what Illinois does well, you know, which at this point offensively is just handing the ball to Josh McCray, um, you know, Charlotte's not a terrific rushing defense. You know, they're giving up 200, almost like 234 yards per game on the ground. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which teams – Strength versus the other team's weakness, like comes out on top. It's like, will Illinois be able to slow down Chip Reynolds and Charlotte's passing attack? Because even like in the the Maryland game, like Talia Tungavaloa threw for three hundred fifty mm-hmm. yards. They just couldn't finish drives. And what Purdue with even with Jack Plummer and Aiden O'Connell playing, I think they are combined. 
passing total was more than 300, even with the two interceptions at O'Connell. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, a lot of that was just O'Connell yeah. in the second half. So um, there's yards to be gained through the air against the Illinois defense still, even with their improvements. But Or will you know Josh McCray and you know maybe Chase Brown, if he's healthy, um, be able to take advantage of a just sort of average Charlotte you know, run defense. Um, one of those two things will be the difference maker. One factor that um, I just looked up on my handy-dandy phone uh, looking at the weather on Saturday, calling for a high of 77. Nice. 60% chance of rain slash storms on Saturday. So Brett Bielma will be doing like a rain, rain dance. dance. <laughs> exactly. He'll get out all that, uh, uh, everything he can to just have it just soak Memorial Stadium and uh, affect the the passing game for both teams because then you don't have to rely on Brandon Peters to. Well, and they're clearly, I mean, at least in the Purdue game, they showed that they were not relying on Brandon Peters yeah. until that last drive where they had to throw the ball to you know, have a chance to move it. Bright spot, bright spot here. Positive note: Pat Bryant, another true freshman for Illinois, he played well in that last uh, last drive. Yeah, caught some, caught some passes. He had played a lot of snaps mm-hmm. up into that point. But and I tweeted about this a lot because every time it was two tight end set with two wide receivers, and those two wide receivers were Pat Bryan and Carlos Sandy, Elmo ran the ball like every single time. I was like, I told Lauren Tate this, who sit next to me in the press box, like if I can figure that out, like I'm pretty sure <laughs> Purdue's defensive coaches were like, hey, we're noticing this. Um, but yeah, then they they got Pat Bryan involved in the passing game a little bit, and. He's an interesting target. He's a little taller, bigger mm-hmm. receiver, which that's six three. Yeah, which is two hundred. Like, it's what Illinois needs. Um, just an option, maybe, to get downfield. So we'll see, kind of what what happens moving forward with him. Um, but another young guy like Josh McCray, like uh, DJ Johnson mm-hmm. on defense, uh, getting an opportunity early. Yeah, exactly, and uh, we'll have to see how many uh, relatively. New relative newcomers on the Illinois roster, how their playing time kind of maybe maybe it increases this year if the the season just kind of gets gets flown by the by the wayside. Well, Illinois is one and four on the season, but Scott Ritchie's prediction record is definitely not one and four. Uh, you are sitting at five and zero oh on the season, Scotty. Uh, you picked correctly, Purdue over Illinois last week. So I need to know, and I need our, all of our listeners to know who's going to win Saturday's game. It's got to be Illinois, right? has to be this is the one game the rest of the way that Illinois fans should be able to enjoy without worrying about potential loss right your hesitancy to answer that makes me think no I mean I'd worry a little bit like Charlotte's not bad yeah yeah a pretty good team are you just building the moment up for more dramatic effects here a little bit okay um having said that oh here's the here's the here's the dreaded but but in a good way for Illinois fans. But maybe in a good way. I I don't feel great about it. But I'm going to have Illinois winning. I'm not going to score a lot of points. 24 to 20. Another okay. close game. And they figure out a way to win. All right. And don't be surprised if Archikowski's at quarterback at the end of that one. And then here comes the run. Just like in 2019, no one saw it coming. 
Then they, they beat Charlotte, and then they got Wisconsin the following week. Homecoming, Brett Bielema's first game coaching against his old old employer. James McCourt kicks another game winner. Over under on how many times Bielema says Wisconsin in the week leading up to that game. Well, whatever it is, I'll take the under because okay. I'm pretty sure he's never said Wisconsin since he took this job. Even though he left Wisconsin on his own. He wasn't yeah, you know, just it's that uh, – that other team that I coached is what he says. I was like, man, we know it's Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not, as, like, it's not like a, a hidden secret. All right. So an Illinois win this Saturday. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you can tell by the, the tone of my voice. It's that all the setup, the, all the good vibes that will come for, for homecoming week after that then. Sure. All right. All right. Well, we'll be back uh, next week to assess Scott Ritchie's prediction on Saturday's game against Charlotte, break down the game against the 49ers, then look ahead to the homecoming game against Wisconsin on October 9th, which earlier this week was announced as officially a 2.30 p.m. kick. It was either 2.30 or 3, but uh, 2.30 p.m. kick on October 9th. This Saturday's game against Charlotte at 11 a.m. here in Champaign. You can read all of our coverage in the pages of the News Gazette and at AlignHQ.com. For Scott, for Ed Bond... I'm Matt Daniels, and we'll talk to you next week.